Hello. In this episode, Francis Cosway and I share our thoughts on timber flooring. We talk all about solid timber and engineered timber flooring, why we'd love to see laminate flooring never be used again, and what you need to know before you go about choosing vinyl flooring. Let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet, it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode. There are loads of choices that you can make when it comes to flooring for your home. Polished or burnished concrete, toppings over concrete, timber, tile, carpet, bamboo, cork, lino, rubber, laminate and vinyl to name a few. In the next few podcast episodes we're going to cover the main types which for residential homes are timber, tiles, concrete and carpet. Now up front full disclosure it's worth knowing that neither Francis nor I are fans of vinyl or laminate flooring. Uh, look I actually find it really heartbreaking to see it being used so prolifically. It's it's just not good quality as durable flooring material. It's terrible for the environment. Most most products in, uh, in both vinyl and laminate are terrible for the environment and they can be hugely toxic in what they off gas into your home. You know, it's worth understanding that laminate flooring is not timber. It's a bonded four layer product. The base layer is called a balancing layer that keeps the material stable. Over that is HDF or high density fiberboard. That's then overlaid with a 
printed plastic or a paper layer that's digitally printed with a pattern or texture to actually look like timber. And then on top of that goes a wear layer, which is uh, described usually as melamine resin. That's often a, a type of finish with high VOCs and toxicity. So laminate flooring, like just, I don't know, I'm not quite sure how it's fallen into the body of being known as an alternative for timber flooring. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm just not a fan, as you can probably gather. Uh, generally, uh, vinyl flooring, which is the other category that people often choose when they're wanting a timber floor but can't budget for a, uh, you know, a solid timber or an engineered timber. Vinyl flooring is generally made from petroleum-based materials and they can contain toxic plasticities and lead-based stabilizers. So it's not great in its production, its installation or its long-term performance environmentally. Now you can find better performing vinyl flooring if you know what to look for. There are products of vinyl that have been uh, assessed and audited to have uh, environmental properties to be much more sustainable choices. But unless you know that, then you're more likely to choose one of the petroleum-based ones. So it's really important that you check out the environmental credentials of these flooring types if you particularly if you still want to use vinyl flooring but generally that's my recommendation for any material choice. Now we're going to dive into this episode and I hope you enjoy our conversation about timber flooring and uh, enjoy listening now. Let's actually start talking about some of the materials. With our first choice that I think is one that I always come back to, one of the most sort of original choices that people Mm. make is timber and so we've got solid timber floorboards and we've got engineered timber and bamboo can also fall into this criteria as well and so this can be one of the best choices environmentally it's often recommended by um, low tox and architects that are wells certified and you know uh, um, health-based interior designers building biologists now and, and if you're particularly looking at recycled or forestry stewardship council which is fsc certified timber And then there's also the engineered boards and you can purchase engineered boards that are pre-finished and um, that can save you big time in your project. So let's just talk about some of the things that people need to consider when it comes to choosing timber floorboards. Again, I've got a few pointers that we can sort of talk around. So we were talking about installing timber floorboards over a concrete slab and the kinds of substrates to use in underneath. We're talking about installing them as a suspended floor. So it might be over a framed timber floor that might be over an existing. If you're renovating, you might have joists and bearers as an existing, or you might be putting timber floorboards upstairs on a new extension. Um, And then what you can do in terms of insulating underneath for better performance. You were looking at pre-finishing or finishing after installation and what the different selection might be around that. You've of course got board widths and lengths. I don't think a lot of people understand the less they spend on there. I see this, they, they find a really low cost engineered floorboard. And then what they don't understand that it's in quite short lengths. And it means that they're going to have a lot of joins throughout their floor. And that's going to come with its own kind of myriad of, of um, challenges. And of course, you've got sanding and resanding for maintenance over time and what options you have for that based on what you choose, replacing damaged components, and then looking for low volatile organic compound um, finishes and bonding agents. And uh, just questions that you can ask suppliers to talk about to know that you're getting good quality. If we can start sort of diving into some of the things, mm-hmm. let's. Um, how do you sort of when somebody says, "Look, I want a timber floor. I don't know whether I want hardwood. I don't know whether I want engineered floorboards." What do you? And we'll talk about laminate and um, uh, yeah, those types of floorings a little bit further down the track. You and I are both not big fans of them, so but we will mention them <laughs> as we go. But what we're talking about here is hardwood, solid hardwood floors, mm-hmm. or engineered um, floors. 
how do you kind of help people understand the various choices that they have and what they need to think about? Okay, well, the first thing, let's talk a little bit about hardwood. Um, you know, it's it's a much thicker, there's no veneer. Engineered timber is is a, a veneer and sometimes it's between anywhere between two and six mil for the really good quality. So it is a real timber that's sitting on a substrate where a hardwood is actually, a, you know, a plank of timber that is solid. It's actually it's a 15 mil solid timber. Sometimes they're thicker, as you said before, sometimes they're a little bit thinner, but that's fairly standard. So it's something that you're able to, it'll stand the test of time. You're able to sand that numerous numbers of times um, without being worried about, um, you know, you, you're going to sand the product away. So even in, you know, really historical homes, you're able to sand the floor back and, you know, it'll basically come back to new. So it's incredibly durable. And there is an option to be able to put a pigment into um, the coating that you're putting on top. So you are able to then change the colour. It doesn't necessarily have to be the natural timber colour if you do want a little bit of variation. So you've really got great choice there. I suppose the downside, uh, absolutely brilliant, sustainable choice, as you've mentioned. The downside a little bit is if you like a pristine floor and you're not really keen on having high heel pucker marks all out and the kids drop stuff and it scratches quite easily, um, particularly with a high gloss uh, finish, which thankfully is sort of on the way out. Um, a matte finish will certainly disguise a lot more dust and uh, scratches than what a high gloss surface would. Uh, it, it may not be the ideal surface for you in terms of the fact that it, it, it can actually um, mark and scratch quite easily. Obviously, something like bamboo and the really, uh, really hard Australian species such as spotted gum and messmate they're not going to be as soft as something like a pine or a Baltic pine, um, but they will still mark, um, and, I, and I've you know seen it in my own house with a spotted gum. Having said that, um, a lot of people just want it to, to um, I suppose, be part of their home and they're not too worried about those sorts of things, so it wears over time and it, and it has a lovely patina and a lovely warning look. So it's, it's going to depend on the sort of person that you are and the sort of look that you're after. Now, going over to engineer timber, because it's got a veneer, uh, it, it's not able to be sanded back for the duration of the life of that product. So you probably got one to two sands in it, depending on the thickness of the veneer and the higher quality um, engineered timber will actually be probably five to six mil. So you may even get three sands out of it. Now, generally, they are pre-finished and that's a big advantage for installing because a hardwood will need to be climatized in your house for a good couple of weeks. Um, because it moves, it expands and contracts, so it needs to climatise in your own house. The engineered board doesn't need to do that. It's pre-finished, so once the floor needs to go down, it goes down. You don't need someone to come back in and sand it. You don't need someone to come back in and, and coach it. So once it's down, it's down. So it really does cut down the time in terms of um, people being able to be on site uh, to get your home finished. With a hardwood, no one can be there. Uh, no one else can be working in that space. Engineered floor, it's down, you're off to go. The other thing with engineered floor that I'm finding is really popular at the no moment, not that I'm advocating this, is that you can get it in a lot of the grey scales. So they're able to create many more different colours uh, than what a natural timber would, would be for obvious reasons. It's It's been modified slightly. So a lot of the grey timbers uh, are, becoming, are quite popular at the moment. So um, that's another reason why people may choose an engineered board. And they're also coming in a lot more wider widths, much, much wider than what you would naturally, than what you would normally get with a natural timber board. 
What do you recommend people sort of speak to the suppliers about in terms of understanding, are they choosing the right solution for their home and what they need to know about that installation process? Well, I suppose I definitely, all the suppliers will give them installation instructions um, and, and how, well, for example, um, with an engineered timber, they've got a warranty. So that's another reason that, that it's becoming very popular. Hardwood, they can't guarantee. Um, so the engineered boards, because they're so confident with its durability, uh, they will have, you know, I think it's 15, sometimes even more years warranty. So to not void that warranty, it will need to be installed in the correct way. So your supplier is definitely going to provide you with those installation instructions. With a hardwood timber, um, there aren't necess- there will be guidelines from the supplier in terms of how best to lay it. So if you're across that information, you can at least ask who you're going to get to install it the way they install it, and you can cross-reference and see whether they're going to be installing it as the recommended uh, way that the supplier has suggested it should be installed. Yeah, and it's important to understand, like, it's always worthwhile just putting in any of your specifications, install as per manufacturer specifications, because then you've covered it contractually. They um, they know that they need to check that they're doing that. If you don't install things as per manufacturer specifications, you immediately void the warranty. So it's really, you know, in terms of covering yourself, it's always worthwhile just including that in, in your specifications as a standard statement. And then you are covered if somebody decides to install it. You know, I've seen cases um, where builders have you know gone about installing it their own way because it was faster and there's been problems and because that was in the specifications the homeowners had recourse to get the builder to to fix it at no charge so um, yeah and that's with all specifications really it's as per manufacturers um, installation guidelines so absolutely and most of those things, it's interesting, most of those things are available online. Often as a homeowner, you might find that when you go to a supplier's website, you'll see architect, builder, homeowner, you know, that kind of stuff up the top. And if you find that you're not finding that information in the homeowner, I guarantee you'll find it in architect or builder section. And you can go in and you can see, they'll often have, a lot of suppliers have CAD drawings, they have manufacturer specifications, they have recommendations for the types of finishes. And it may look a bit technical jargon for you, but it's 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 really worth while just to sort of dig through because what I'm finding more and more is so many suppliers are just making this information freely available on their websites Mm -hmm. and you can dig very quickly and easily and get the knowledge that you need or at least get some printouts that give you something to speak to your builder about so that you make sure that you're getting the result that you want so and at least then you got something to talk from in terms of asking questions and more importantly, you show that you care. You show that you've done your investigations and you show that a good quality outcome is really, really important to you and you're keeping the builder accountable to that. So, you know, I think the big thing with timber is obviously there's lots of different colours to choose from and the colour, what I love about timber is it provides such a beautiful base palette to so many other choices Mm -hmm. and to have that natural variation through your home can be really exciting and a really lovely way to warm up your home. So I think we've given everybody some really good information about that. The replacing the damaged components, obviously, that's going to be something that is worthwhile discussing with the supplier. Okay, what happens if I damage a specific floorboard? Because um, a lot of them are tongue and groove, aren't they? So pulling yeah. one out on its own can be very difficult. So, um, so yeah, it's worthwhile to sort of always understand that too. So, Just on the colour actually, uh, Amelia, uh, it's quite interesting that – and it almost goes back to our very first point in terms of why it's the foundation – and people may have furniture that they know are going to is going to go into their new home. Um, and what they forget about is how that's going to actually work with the floor. 
Um, and so my uh, recommendation is always to create some sort of contrast unless you really are after that complete blondie, blonde, scandy look where it's just blonde on blonde on blonde. But generally I think to make a home feel a little bit um, more, more homey and is to have a little bit of contrast. So, for example, if you've got a really blonde floor, like a Vic Ash and its natural form, then having um, maybe a medium or a darker timber furniture is going to look much nicer. So, for example, with your cherry um, floor, that would be quite challenging in terms of choosing uh, a really dark wenge is just going to clash completely with that floor. And, and the cherry is actually really difficult to work with because it's got so much red, red undertones in it. And conversely, if you've got cherry toned timbers, which really had their heyday in, in the 90s, uh, t- cherry timber furniture, um, you, you need to be really careful about the floor that you're choosing and what the colour is. I always say to my clients, you really can't go wrong with the colour of nature. So choose something that's not trying to be something else. If you are having an engineered timber floor, I would always suggest don't go down the grey rouge because, yes, it's very in now, but if you've got just the colour of, of nature as in a blonde or a medium or a walnut uh, tone or a messmate, uh, you, you really can't go wrong with that. It's never, ever it, – it is the absolute timeless choice and everything will go with it. It's just getting the tones and the contrast right. Yeah, it's such good advice. And I think, um, you know, it's, it is really interesting to see people sort of start to piece together their color schemes. You know, I was chatting to one of my members recently. She's trying to decide on her kitchen and it's like, you actually need to put out a color board like an interior designer would and have a piece of your floorboard there before you start choosing what your your kitchen joinery is going to be because it's, it's really essential that if you're wanting to bring in timber components elsewhere, you know, and and we'll talk more about that as we start to move through the, some of the other spaces. But, you know, for example, if you're trying to put timber in a kitchen, chances are you're going to be putting it in as a veneer or as a laminate product. And if you're going to try and choose the same timber as your floorboard, but your floorboard's an engineered board or it's a hardwood, you're not going to pull it off and you're going to have this horrible kind of plasticky looking matchy matchy try to kind of effect with a natural product and it's just not going to work. So you're better off actually choosing something that's a contrasting finish and think about how you bring all of these palette choices through all of those selections in your home. Try to use the same timber in the same material choice where you can, but if you're going to try and introduce a different material choice in a matching timber type, it's it's not going to work as well as you probably think it is. So I'll include some notes in the show notes as well about uh, some resources to look at in in terms of assessing timber floor. We're not going to talk at length about laminate and vinyl flooring, um, uh, which may disappoint some people because <laughs> that may be exactly what they're gearing up for their homes. I'm finding that more and more people are choosing laminate and vinyl flooring as an alternative to timber flooring because it gives them the look that they want, but at a much lower spend. You and I are both quite anti, or when we say quite, I'm, I know I'm very anti laminate flooring. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've got a lot of resources that I'll pop in the show notes. I don't want to dive into it in a lot of detail. Environmentally, honestly, they've just not kept up their end of the deal in terms of the types of the ways that they put the materials together, the bond, the bonding agents that they use, how toxic they are. Um, and, what it feels like underfoot, you know, how it gets installed. I have people say to me, oh, but we're putting in this underlay and it's not going to sound as tacky as it normally does and it's going to be better and, you know, we just can't afford timber. And it's like, well, 
it's still going to look and sound like laminate flooring when you start interacting with it. You're going to, you're going to stand at the door and you're going to go, Oh wow, what a beautiful timber floor. And you're going to step on it and you're going to know it's not. So what are your thoughts on laminate flooring in terms of how you see people sort of asking for it? And well, it's probably very, very similar to yours. I actually, thankfully, don't have anyone specifically ask for it except for this one client who said she's going to use it because she's just familiar with it in the UK and it is very popular over there um, for completely different reasons than how we live over here. But I think it's the sound. As soon as you walk into someone's house, particularly if you're wearing heels, you, it just feels it just feels wrong. It, it sounds wrong. It, it, it feels funny under foot. And for me, the chemicals that they use, it just makes it a no-go. But once I actually explain to clients, um, and you'll have it in the show notes, you know, why laminate's not such a great choice, and again, it will come back to this is a big investment. You'll end up replacing it anyway. Uh, it won't be as durable as what it's perceived to be. Um, I, I, as, as soon as I really go through what some of the other alternatives are, it's not generally that difficult to get people to start looking at the reasons why they wouldn't be using a laminate floor. Yeah. And I think, you know, both professionally, it's not something that we support. No. And uh, and so I think if you want to do it, go by all means, go ahead and do your own research and make sure that you're making that choice in an informed way. If it's purely driven by budget, then perhaps think about what alternatives you have because there are other alternatives. Are. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, vinyl flooring is something that we're definitely seeing more and more in projects. Um, and and there's vinyl and there's vinyl, you know. And so I think that it's really worthwhile understanding that you do your research when you're choosing vinyl flooring. Some vinyl flooring, again, is terrible um, in terms of the waste production, the toxicity of the materials that go into it, how it off-gasses volatile organic compounds over time. So you're living basically in a house that just keeps having toxic stuff pumped into the indoor air um, that you're living in. But you know, as we were saying off air, they're making huge advancements in terms of the way that they're improving it, the way it's made, what goes into it, um, and and how it uh, performs over the long term. And can you talk a little bit about sort of what you're seeing with vinyl flooring and and what criteria perhaps people should think about when they're seeking to choose it for their home? So look, it is actually a product that I do specify in some instances, and that is. Um, when people find it, um, and this can often happen when we're a little bit older, that they need some cushioning underfoot. It just makes so, so for in, in a position where of the home that you really can't put in carpet, which obviously gives you that cushioning. So places that, um, you know, your kitchen and, and as a main flooring for the older generation can actually work really well because you've just got that little bit of buffer. And the products, not surprisingly, that are coming out of Europe, um, they are watching very carefully and have, are meeting a lot higher standards in terms of their byproduct and their waste and how they're recycling um, a lot of the product. But yes, you're right about the chemicals. So it is still something to be mindful of. The other instance where vinyl can be great is when you're doing a really quick you just sort of instantly need to get rid of this awful floor that you've got. Um, it, you can actually retrofit it over the top of a lot of other floorings in many instances, not all. So that makes it really easy sometimes if you're just after a quick resolution. Um, it definitely is not something for your forever home. I wouldn't suggest it. But look, there are instances where, where I have specified it for people that are you know, just got really sensitive joints and it is going to be a better solution for them. In a, in a kitchen or bathroom area. 
it's you can do a lot of research about the environmental performance of this. I would, you know, I was saying before we jumped on that there was I saw a woman saying that she was picking it because she's got family with asthma and was, you know, had seen a lot of research in Denmark that vinyl flooring was the best thing to choose. And it was like, well, the vinyl flooring in Denmark is not necessarily going to be the same vinyl flooring we have here in Australia um, or that they might have in the States. And so you know, you can go to, um, you know, there's a lot of environmental assessment sort of product libraries in different countries that will uh, look through these products, look through how they're made and then look at whether they recommend them or not. And so it's really worthwhile and I'll include some of those resources in the show notes and, of course, there's previous podcast episodes that share that, that you, you know, for example, in Australia you can look on EcoSpecifier and look for products that are listed on there because they've been assessed by somebody who's impartial and can tell you is this actually meeting the criteria that it needs to but remember it like vinyl cladding vinyl flooring and timber and uh, laminate flooring only exist because people didn't want to pay for timber flooring you know or so it's it's um or it was timber flooring was hard to come by so i think that if you're you know for me if you're looking for that timber floor look like I would, if I was going to choose vinyl flooring, I would look for something that didn't necessarily look like timber. Like I would go for like, you know, that something that was so gray that it did, you never could mistake it for timber. It just had that sort of texture through it, had that patterning through it, but it wasn't like you were going to walk on it and expect to feel timber under your feet. So for me, there's the opportunity for you to have some fun with the selections that you make because you've got more flexibility than choosing a natural material. Um, if you're trying to imitate the natural material, then I think you'll always end up being disappointed long-term. So thanks very much, Francis. You've shared some incredible wisdom and advice and tips with us, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Amelia. Now, I do hope that you found it helpful to hear more about timber flooring uh, and to particularly hear the difference between the various types that are available. It's really essential that when you're choosing timber floors in particular, that you be clear on how you need that floor to perform, its sustainability and whether it's going to work in your home over the long term. Now, before I go, I do want to say a quick note on budget and affordability because I can hear <laughs> I can hear some listeners now saying, look, it's all well and good, Amelia, to say that if we want timber floors, we have to go with solid or engineered flooring, uh, you know, but I, you know, and, and, and for, for basically for, for me to say don't ever use laminate and if you're going to use vinyl, only use the environmental stuff. You know, I have homeowners tell me all the time what they can and can't afford in their projects and one really common Uh, example of this is a conversation around the flooring of what they can or can't afford in their flooring choice and they'll say to me you know we can't afford engineered timber floors or we can't afford solid uh, timber floors they're too expensive so we're going to choose laminate instead and you know and I see this in Facebook groups all the time people saying they can't afford to have engineered or solid timber and they're choosing laminate instead and they're asking for recommendations on that and you know and alongside this they're also saying well, we're building a five-bedroom, three-living-room, two-car garage house with three bathrooms. Now, if you're juggling all the choices alongside what you're going to spend your budget on, please know this, okay? I need you to just, you know, take a moment just to hear this because it actually applies to everything when it comes to your renovation or building project. Spending your budget is always a case of weighing up and ordering your priorities. Now, if you think if you can't afford a choice because it won't fit in your budget. So what you're going to do instead is choose a lower performing, less sustainable and poorer quality product that just looks like the product you actually wanted right there. 
you've ordered your priorities. And this may be really hard to hear. You may feel like I'm being, that I'm lacking compassion, you know, that it sounds really super harsh, that I don't understand. But I do, I really do. You know, I've been doing this for almost 25 years. I've worked with and had conversations with thousands and thousands of homeowners over that time about this very these very decisions. And I've also done my own projects. You know, I've juggled my own budget, weighed up my own priorities. So I really want to give you some tools just as a start to really think about this, because as we go through more and more of these interior design choices, uh, and you're going to start to think about all of the choices that you have to make for your renovation or building project, it's really, I really encourage you to sort of start to use this idea I'm about to share with you as a bit of a tool to really think about what you're doing in how you're thinking about your budget and all of the things about your home, okay? So I want you to listen to yourself when you hear yourself talking about your home and your plans for it. I want you just to observe your language. Uh, You know, I hear homeowners all the time saying to me, we need this, we need that, you know, we need three bedrooms or we need five bedrooms, we need a granny flat, we need guest accommodation, we need a separate study, we need a butler's pantry. You know, that word need, it it just comes into so many conversations uh, homeowners have when they talk about their future home. I need a stone bench top, I need a specific tap, like that word need if you start to listen, you'll, you'll hear it. And, you know, none of these things that I rattled off, none of them are actual needs. They're, they're wants. They're nice wants that will definitely make life more comfortable, more enjoyable. And there's absolutely no judgment here. Okay, I'm not doing this to judge. I'm not doing this to tell you that you should or shouldn't, you know, need that or want these things. I just want to encourage you to think about this, okay? Because there's an opportunity here to recognize that, When you observe your own language, you then have the opportunity to start questioning it, okay? And because what you're doing is you rattle off all of those needs, you're actually unconsciously ordering your priorities. And and look, it can be far more helpful to you as you navigate this process of building or renovating your home if you order your priorities intentionally rather than unconsciously. And you'll just be doing it. When you say, I need this, I need this, you will be unintentionally, unconsciously ordering your priorities. And I'd far, I just, it would serve you so much better if you did it intentionally. Okay. So I really encourage you to take pause to really observe the language that you use when you talk about your future home and the things that you want to have in it. And then change that word need to want or wish for or desire, or I would love, you know, just see how that feels. See if it helps you to reassess those things at all. See if it helps you perhaps change your mind about where your budget should be invested, where it's really going to make a difference to you and your home and your family and the way that you want to live in it. You know, I'm going to take you through this a little bit more as we talk you know, about the rest of the information we're sharing in this season, because this is the thing, you know, as you make your interior design choices, and there's going to be loads of them. I mean, there's going to be loads of choices anyway, when it comes to building or renovating, but your interior design choices are going to come to sometimes thousands of choices just on their own. Now you're going to be doing lots of priority organization as part of this process. And when you work with a professional, you know, they can help you, they can add their experience and expertise and insight to help you order those priorities in the way that they work with you. But if you're 
going it alone or you're still really early on in your journey and you're wanting to do research and get yourself prepared, then it's really helpful to have some awareness that you are doing this anyway, okay? You are ordering and organizing your priorities anyway. And so it's far better, it serves you far better, serves you far more if you actually take control of that process and you be intentional about the ordering and weighing up an organization of priorities that you're doing and then ultimately be able to invest your budget intentionally as well. So I hope that's helpful and I hope that that helps you think differently about some of the things that you're learning and some of the choices that, you know, Francis and I and my other guests, we're going to be sharing things with you about what we think is a great choice, what we think is a not so great choice, why we think they're great choices, why we think they're not so great choices. Sometimes it'll be from a durability point of view, a sustainability point of view, a functionality point of view, you know, but I think that what's happened in the way that building and renovating has gone is that it's just this snowball effect where, uh, you know, these choices get made very in very quick ways. It doesn't feel quick because you're in the depths of it and you feel like you're doing it forever and you feel like it's absorbing all of your attention and focus. But really in the grand scale of things, when you think about how long we want our family homes to last for, how long they're going to last for, and then we think about the time that we take to make the decisions about the materials and products that go inside them, there's quite a, you know, <laughs> like the relationship of those two things, the time that it takes us to make the decisions versus the time that those products and materials and finishes and fixtures actually have to serve us over the duration of our life in our home. You know, that's why we talk about things that we think are better choices, things that are more durable, things that are going to serve you better over the long term. And we try and encourage you to stay away or steer clear of the things that just really won't, that just really won't stand the test of time, won't deliver the finish and the feel and the functionality that a family home ultimately needs in order to work really well and to survive, you know, life and to help you thrive in your home, help you and your family thrive in your home. So head to the show notes. There's links and resources that were mentioned in this episode. And also if you want to get in touch with Frances and White Pebble Interiors uh, or check out her book, Your Forever Home, there's links for those there as well. Now you'll also find a link to learn more about Interior Design 101, which is the self-study online program. It's going to help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. Inside Interior Design 101, Francis and I go through some additional choices uh, such as bamboo, choosing pre-finished boards or finishing your boards after completion and more detail about timber flooring in general. Now, in the next podcast episode, Francis and I are going to be back and we're going to be talking about tiles and doing tiled floors. Now, these are actually a brilliant choice for your floors. Uh, I see so many homeowners, though, shy away from them because they're worried that they'll be hard or cold. But they can be so flexible, uh, really great from a thermal point of view, super affordable as well. A really like if you're weighing up whether you have laminate floors because you can't, you say you can't afford engineered timber floors or solid floors, I would really encourage you to consider tiles as a really viable option instead of doing laminate. And uh, I really hope that you'll check out our conversation about this in the next episode because I think we might just be able to change your mind about how fantastic tiles can be as a flooring choice for your family home. Now, as always, huge, huge gratitude to you, to those of you who've left reviews on the podcast, who've rated the podcast. I can't thank you enough to those of you who've told your friends and 
family that this podcast exists. Thank you so much. And to those of you who tune in every single week to listen to what uh, I'm sharing, my guests are sharing, I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.